Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will help set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and leading practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Wintry day, I think, everywhere. We are almost at the end of January 2022. A belated Happy New Year to our listeners around the world. This is the first episode of our 2022 third season of the Kinetic Enterprise. I'm so happy to be here. And we have a very important topic, very hot topic, and it affects businesses all over the world. So let me introduce it, and then I'll ask my three esteemed professional specialist speakers to introduce themselves. So here we go. Business transformation and taxes. Let's just let that sink in for a second. These are two of the greatest certainties, I'm sure you've heard other versions, in businesses today, and both can bring about big questions. Ongoing business transformation is driving many organizations, and we're talking to businesses around the world, so we're talking to you. Drive you to take a strategic leap with cloud technology and ERP transformation. Why? You want to enable greater speed, you want flexibility, you want innovation, and you want efficiency. Another big word. But, there's always a however, but with any project of this kind, how can you make sure you're not creating more complexity in your tax, data, and process landscape? Big questions. So today joining me, three Deloitte business technology and tax leaders, we've got the best here, will discuss key issues, solutions, and leading practices that can help you extract more value from your transformation. Learn how you can improve your tax processes, reduce risk, and realize savings with a more strategic approach to cloud, ERP, and tax. We'll take a closer look at how solution providers are making their solutions more fit to new market demands. You know what those are. And we'll explore some of the specific tax-related benefits of transformation. That's a mouthful. So happy you're all joining us around the world. If you're listening live and you know somebody who you think will benefit from this and they're not listening live, the show will be available on demand a few hours later. So let's go around the table. I have three very special people. We are recording on Zoom. I can see my guests, so I want you to just wave when I call your name. We have Genevieve Watson. Hello, Jen. She said I can call her Jen, G-E-N. We have Scott Schaefer. Hello, Scott. I think there's an A middle initial working around there somewhere, so I might call you Scott A, because I'm Bonnie D, and we have Jan DeClerc. Hello, Jan. How are you? Nice to see you. Jan was on a show with me a while ago, so this is a reunion of sorts. Let's go around the table. Jen Watson, please do me the honor of introducing yourself. Take about three minutes. The audience wants to know who you are, what you do, why are you here? What's your passion? I'm even going to go out of a limb and say, what's your excitement for a topic that has taxes in it? So, Jen, welcome. Go ahead. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, so my name is Genevieve Watson and uh, Full, or Jen, as Bonnie said, in short. I'm a partner in our tax management consulting team in Deloitte in the UK. Um, I actually started out as a tax professional, um, did uh, traditional tax compliance and advisory work. And in undertaking those um, activities alongside businesses, I discovered that actually a lot of the challenges faced are down to things like data processes and technology. So I ended up getting a bit of a bug for looking at uh, those sorts of areas to try and help 
businesses to to improve things going forwards um, and that's when I started to focus in doing tax technology and in particular a focus around enterprise resource planning uh, systems such as SAP um, and I've been doing that for the last eight years um, really really enjoy it um, have a deep passion for ensuring uh, that businesses can leverage their system effectively. We've got a lot of changes in the world, which I'm sure we'll cover throughout today's program. Um, and I really do think that the ERP is the foundation for achieving that successfully. Thank you very much, Jen. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you. We met on a prep call a couple of days ago. We're very honored to have you here. So thank you, thank you. Scott A. Schaefer. I'm going to keep the A in there. I was <laughs> middle initials. Scott, welcome. We'd love to hear who you are, what you do, and what's your passion for the yeah, topic? So, yeah. Hey, everyone. I'm Scott Schaefer. I'm a tax principal uh, now based in Miami. I was in New York and Chicago before. I decided to come where the warm weather is. Um, I've been doing tax automation and data work for the last 29 years. And over the last five years, I've been serving as our global and US SAP tax leader for, for Deloitte. Um, I've been really excited about it of late because there's been so many changing uh, tax regulations, not the least of which was US tax reform back in 2018. All the global ch regulations that are quickly changing, requiring companies to, to around electronic invoicing, electronic filing, um, it's really been a perfect storm of you know, tax technology, ERP, migration to the cloud. Um, and so we've really been spending the last several years working with companies across all industries, mainly U.S. multinationals, but, but other global companies as well, really get their tax information integrated into the new ERP. So it's, it's been an exciting time. It's busy. Um, and as, as we see companies migrating more and more to the cloud, I think it's just going to continue on for the next several years. Thank you very much, Scott. Nice to have you on the panel today. We appreciate you and value all your expertise. So thank you for bringing what you know. And Jan de Klerk, welcome. It's nice to see you again. Although when you were on a show with me a couple of years ago, I don't think we were on Zoom, so I couldn't see you. But Jan, welcome. And we are waiting to hear who you are and what's your passion for the Great. topic. Thanks, Bonnie. And uh, likewise, uh, good to see you again. Uh, so my name is uh, Jan de Klerk. I'm a tax technology partner. I'm, um, I'm based in the Netherlands, uh, be it I'm Belgian. I spent a couple of years in the US, San Francisco, New York. That's where I know Scott from. Um, and then a couple of years back, uh, moved back to Europe, uh, Brussels, but now based in the Netherlands, somewhere in Rotterdam and Amsterdam. Um, I've been with the firm uh, a bit more than 20 years. Um, as Jen, I grew up as a traditional tax advisor, writing tax advice, uh, doing compliance. Um, but I got uh, quickly uh, impacted by the technology bug. So that means I uh, became a kind of hybrid uh, with a tax background, but implementing that. Um, and the reason why I, I love this stuff is... Um, well, first of all, I love tax. And one of these people exist, so I'm one of those. <laughs> um, but secondly, is um, I also like the, the technology component. So instead of writing this advice, I was trying to figure out there should be different ways to deliver this. So that's what I got in the technology. And what we actually have been doing is automating our tax advice. Um, now, what's, what's very, very great around what we're doing is, and, and, and Jen will talk and Scott will talk about is there is so much things are transforming in the tax market. Um, so that whole um, innovation, automating, making life easier for our clients, um, that's what we love to do. And it changes every week, every day. Thank you, Jan. I think 
at least I laugh when you said I love tax. I, I did a talk radio show on Long Island, New York. I'm a New Yorker, by the way, and I don't know if I ever ran into any of you there, but born and bred. And I'm in North Carolina now. And I, I had a talk radio show on, on the oldest AM station, radio station on Long Island. And I had a friend who was a CPA and I told him I want to come on and help me open the show with some jokes. And he looked at me and he said, I'm a CPA. I don't do funny. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't do jokes. <laughs> and, uh, and I actually fed him some lines to read and he was okay. So anyway, thank you very much. Nice to meet the three of you. And I know our listeners around the world are going to appreciate all of the insights you're going to share today. Jen Watson, I have asked the three of you to bring a quote from a fictional character in a movie or a TV show or a song lyric, something that has absolutely nothing, literally nothing to do with our topic and related to the topic in your own words. So Jen has selected a quote from Gandalf, played by Sir Ian McKellen. Lord of the Rings, of course, by J.R.R. Tolkien. The Fellowship of the Ring 2001 epic fantasy adventure film. I'm just going to leave it there. And here is the quote, Jen. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. Jen, this sounds very profound. That's what I'm expecting from you. How do we, how do we relate this to tax and transformation? Go ahead, Jen. So, first of all, I should confess that uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy is my absolute best set of films. Um, so I had to choose a quote from these films because um, it's really, uh, truly at the heart of what I enjoy to watch. Um, but I chose this particular quote from Gandalf because as part of a big ERP transformation, um, there are choices that will need to be taken. These programs are often high paced. Uh, and therefore there's a lot of different moving parts. So what you choose to do with the time that you do have throughout that transformation journey is really, really important. Um, you know, and we'll hear during today's session, I'm sure some of the insights from us is sometimes you do have choices to take and, you know, there's never a right or wrong answer, um, but it's really understanding, you know, what you do do and how you take that forwards and does that have any impact um so yeah we'll we'll discuss it in much more detail i'm sure during today's session bonnie but that's why i chose thank uh, you that. jen so gandalf could have summarized all that with one word prioritize right yes. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry that wouldn't have been nearly as poetic and you never would have chosen that for the quote so i like the one you actually chose thank you so much jen scott a schaefer i'm sorry you're stuck with me in your middle initial today scott a schaefer has sent us a quote from the rolling stones song you can't always get what you want and the rest of the line sorry about that is but if you try sometime you'll find you get what you need this is from the album let it bleed 1969 if anybody doesn't know who the stones are go look them up okay scott talk to me how'd you pick this quote well i picked it because as i mentioned i've been working in the tax uh, technology data space for 29 years and i'm so used to over the years my companies I work with in, in tax saying they can't get what they need in terms of their tax data. And so they've, they've spent years developing workarounds and all these things. And they've, they've just been so beaten down by not being able to get what they, what they need to do their work. But now with what I'm, what I'm seeing with the migration to the cloud and, and new, fu new flexibility on the ERP systems, tax actually is getting what they need. And so we're helping the uh, companies do that. And so that's where, why, really why I picked that, that lyric, because it's very relevant to what we're seeing now in the, in the tax integration space. 
Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Always love getting Stone's quotes. That's always fun. And Beatles quotes, too. We get them. Uh, one of the quotes people have, somebody sent this to uh, one of my other shows recently, all you need is love. And you could sure explain that, that that's not going to get you through your tax and your transformation unless you prioritize, right? We'll leave it there. Jan de Klerk has sent a very famous quote. The movie is Apollo 13, 1995. Can you believe that's 22 plus 5, 27 years ago? How could that be? American space docudrama. And the actual quote, the quote you've selected, Jan, is Houston, we have a problem. But the actual quote in real life was, okay, Houston, we've had a problem here. And then Jack Swigert, one of the astronauts, was asked to repeat it by Jack Lusma. And he's, and then Jim Lovell said, ah, Houston, we've had a problem. But when they made the movie, they shortened it to five words. Houston, we have a problem. See, Jan, I did my homework on your quote. So, Jan, what does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And and by the way, Bonnie, I did some research. Uh, I think last time when we talked, I used the quote, uh, predictive future is to create it. And now I say, Houston, we have a problem. So, I didn't create a problem, just to be clear. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, Houston, we do have a problem. The reason why I chose for, for t- three reasons. One is, I think it's going to be the, the most common code to be used in the tax room in the coming weeks, coming months. Uh, there are so much regulatory stuff coming up to this tax department that they need to figure out. Um, and, um, and it's going to create some problems if it's not dealt with appropriately with some of the topics we'll discuss in a minute. Um, but the good news is, even though there was a problem, they were able to fix it, um, be it with duct tape. Uh, that's not the way we're going to solve our, uh, our tax problems, um, but there is a solution for it. So that's the good news. Um, the third uh, reason why I chose that quote is that I think when they were in space and, and going around the moon, um, they were very creative and had to be agile because they had different options. Uh, had to look at what would be the best way to go back to Earth, mm-hmm. where they actually dropped somewhere in the middle of the ocean. So um, also on the tax side, we will have to be more agile. There are unforeseen circumstances, new legislation coming more and more quick to, towards us. So I think we're all in a tax spaceship and uh, we'll need to be ready for uh, what's upcoming. I love that picture. A tax spaceship. What about what about a robo taxi? What about a Jetson? What about George Jetson in a tax Jetson car? Something like that. Okay. All of those images. Jan, thank you for the pic thank you for the picturesque thought. I want to thank the three of you for picking really interesting quotes. I appreciate that. And we want our listeners to know that there are different ways of approaching topics. And sometimes through a fictional quote, we get to back into a topic in a more interesting way. And we don't do Churchill quotes anymore. We'll leave that one alone. Jen Watson, it is time for our formal roundtable. And I'm going to start with your statement number one. I'm going to read it. It's just one long sentence, which is great. And then I'm going to ask you to unpack it. We'll pretend we're on a news show. Jen Watson, please unpack this. And then I'm going to ask Scott to come in after Jen talks for about three minutes. Scott, agree or disagree with Jen? She told me it's okay if you disagree with her. Just be nice about it. And then Jan, you get to agree or disagree with both of them. So stick around. So here is the line, the information that Jen sent me. She says, given the right platform, tax can illustrate how much value they add. In fact, by including tax at the beginning of an ERP implementation, I'm just going to stop there and let you explain it in your own words, Jen. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. Um, So I chose this statement um, because getting involved in a big ERP implementation will always require you to explain the business case 
Um, and I know many of us are familiar with uh, explaining business cases and you have to outline the benefit outcomes that you'll achieve and obviously the, the cost factors. And I think many parts of the business often see tax as a back office function and they don't necessarily realise that it isn't just about, uh, you know, uh, taking data and preparing returns, uh, tax is interwoven throughout a lot of the business processes on the sales side or the purchase side or intercompany is basically everywhere. And many people don't really truly appreciate that. There's also many different types of taxes um, and those different types of taxes have a different impact in terms of the amount of, I guess, outward spend a business has towards governments, you know, around the world. <clears throat> and you know, if your if your data and your systems and your processes are not supporting tax, then there can be consequences, um, and they're often quite hard to explain. They're not things that many businesses have thought about in the past. As I say, lots of people see tax uh, as, as a, uh, a sort of back office cost function only, mm -hmm. and don't really see the value uh, that tax can bring. Um, and I guess what we're saying in this statement is actually by getting tax involved very early in an ERP implementation, you can make sure that tax is interwoven throughout those business processes correctly and thereby actually deliver value for the organisation, both in terms of how those taxes are being recognised and making sure that you're compliant with all of the changing legislation that we'll come on to. And even... I think in, in the statement, going as bold as to say, actually, the, the benefits that tax can bring to the programme can actually help the overall positioning of the whole ERP implementation um, and therefore actually making sure that tax has been involved by the business in building that business case is going to be really, really important. Thank you very much, Jen. Let's go around the table. Scott A. Schaefer, you're up next. Agree or disagree with Ms. Yeah. Watson? Go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, you know, I think if for nothing else, you know, as I've said, like historically tax hasn't gotten what they needed. They typically come in late on ERP projects or trans finance transformations. And lately we've seen just the whole value prop for tax be accelerated. And what I mean by that is that the, the companies I work with, we've we've helped them get tax established in the overall business case. And when companies are actually thinking about migrating to a new ERP or to the cloud, really weaving in the tax value prop into that overall business case. From a US perspective, we've seen, especially after the last tax reform, companies really looking at re, you know, the, the whole premise behind that tax reform was to, to promote reinvestment back in the US. And so companies are really looking at changing up their supply chains and, and really doing major uh, organizational restructures, which is a prime opportunity for tax to get in and really uh, set up tax-enabled supply chains and, and other things like that. And so um, it's really been a great opportunity the last few years to really elevate uh, taxes position on these journeys um, because they, they tend to be a very large line item of savings in an overall business case. Well, there's a nice positive to hang on to. Jan, join us. Thoughts? You've got two people to talk to. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think I'm just going to add a couple of things. I think the statement was around including tax at the beginning. And I think Jen said that uh, tax is not a, a back office thing at the end. So that means you have to do this at the beginning, if you think uh, very logical. Um, but um, joking apart, I think uh, I fully agree what 
Scott and Jen just Jen just said around the value case. I think we did some some um, some case studies and actually on live cases, experience shows that tax can bring between fifteen to thirty percent of the value of a business case. So you don't want to leave that on the table. You want to grab that uh, as of the outset when you start these programs. Um, the other one is, which may not have been said yet, is that if you don't include tax as of the start, you may have to do uh, a redesign later on. So there might be some regret cost of not thinking about tax right away. So um, that's why I definitely think it needs to be in the beginning. And then the, the third one, which I want to add to it, is that um, this law is changing so rapidly. There's some new legislation just came out where companies have to be ready by 1st of January, 23. I think we're now the, somewhere in January, end of January. If you think about how to implement that in the system, only for those clients going through this process by, let's say, in about six months, they're going to be too late. So that's why I think some additional arguments why you want to have tax included as of the beginning. Thank you very much. Jen, I'm going to ask you a question and we can go around quickly. I have a statement from Scott teed up for our next part of the conversation. Is this breaking news, what we're talking about today, include tax early in the process, make them part of the journey, don't add them on. I like when Jan said a regret cost. Yeah, shoulda, woulda, coulda, didn't, right? So Jen, is this breaking news? Are, are people listening around the world and companies all over the world saying, I didn't know that? Are they saying, yeah, she's right and we're going to do that this time around? Any insights? on that? I think it depends who you speak to. If you speak to the tax function themselves, it's probably not breaking news. They've been trying to get involved probably for many, many years. You know, Scott has talked about that. Um, But I think for non-tax stakeholders, it often is breaking news because whilst they feel that maybe tax has been involved in uh, previous implementations, they won't have been in the extent that tax needs to be involved. So uh, often I think, uh, no disrespect to to non-tax stakeholders, all they see is VAT and in particular often and, uh, you know, sales and use tax from a US perspective and they think that is all tax is and they just need to be able to put that onto an invoice correctly. Um, But it's so much more than that and there are so many different types of taxes and those regulations are changing. So I think the answer is yes and no. It depends who you're speaking to. Thank you. Very well put. Scott, join me. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, maybe I could just chime in because, you know, money talks, right? And so this should not be breaking news, but it is, as Jen said, for the, for the non-tax people. And if CFOs and CIOs can, can help fund their desired programs through additional cash tax savings, they're all on board. And so... You know, the ears perk up when, when we talk about that. Yes, the good news. Jan, thoughts? Breaking news or, yeah, we've heard it before. Uh, I think the breaking news is that we um, unlocked the formula to quantify the benefit. So I think we all had a gut feeling there's something out there. Uh, but now we figured out what's out there. So I think that's a kind of new approach, how to identify what value tax actually can bring. And, to, and then leading to a link to Scott's point, uh, money talks. So indeed, now we're able to quantify it, link it, have the right stakeholders getting involved. So I think it's, uh, it's old news. We know it, but it's new news, breaking news. I know how to uh, measure it and apply it. 
Thank you. Thank you all for indulging or putting up with my sidebar. I know we weren't going to do that, but sometimes something comes to my mind that I think perhaps the audience would like to know. So thank you all. I appreciate that. Let's go to Jen. Anything you want to wrap up on that topic? Are you good before I move on? You all good? All good. Okay. Thank you. Great start to the conversation. Thank you. Scott A. Schaefer. Here's statement number one. This is interesting. And Scott, it's always interesting to humanize these topics. We talk business, 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 process, process. Got to get the people in there. And that's what this does. Scott's statement is tax departments have never been overstaffed. Today with the competition for talent, it is a business imperative for tax to automate and digitize tax data and tax processes. Scott, unpack, please. Yeah, I mean, it's, look, it, that there's, you know, I mean, I've never seen a tax department that has too many people. Um, they've always been short staffed. And now with technology uh, evolving so quickly, um, tax regulations becoming more and more complex. Um, tax departments are really faced with doing more and more and more with less and less people. Plus, you layer in, you know, the great resignation, whatever you want to call what's happening now over yep. the last couple of years. Uh, there's a war on talent. I mean, we see it. Um, our, our companies we work with see it. Um, and so it's really forcing companies to, to be more digital, to, to automate their processes because there's just there's no there's not a choice like it's 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 become a business imperative to actually do that um just because there's just there there's not enough people thank you very much let's go around the table jan thoughts please join us i think we use the quotes another quote we use something we call it uh, the term the resource gap uh, that uh, we used it uh, about 10 years ago when we see that the pressure on the tax department is increasing um, they have to do, they, they get more on their plate, but they only have a limited set of resources. So I think that uh, that resource gap is, gap is still there, and uh, digitization automation is one of the ways to resolve it. Um, it might be a bit linked to a statement that I got somewhere later, but I still want to already use it here. Is is around um, the triangular uh, example I want to give is uh, recently for a client we were looking at the benefits of doing a uh, ERP modernization. I used in a triangle where we had, obviously they had their customer on top, then they had their finance backbone on the left, but what they actually put in there is uh, their workforce um, and also the well-being of the team. Um, obviously that resource gap has been putting enormous pressure uh, on the tax teams, but one of the things through ERP modernization, you can actually help people and have the talent in those tax departments where they, uh, you automate all the operational tasks and they really can focus on the much more added uh, value uh, tasks. So think about more about strategy, et cetera, which is more fun to do sometimes for most people. So I think that's one way to at least keep the tax people within the team and don't lose them. But to Scott's uh, point is, yeah, the, um, uh, some of the war for talent uh, is, is going on. So I think on the one hand, uh, figure out resource capital through digitization, but secondly, also make sure you do use the digitization to keep your people on board. Thank you very much. Jen, join us, please. Thoughts? Agree or disagree with any or everything they said? Go ahead. Yes, I think uh, I think for me, I agree with everything uh, Scott and Jan have said, but I think if you look at the generational uh, differences coming through, and apologies, Scott and Jan, I can probably talk about that a bit better. Um, but I think what our, our younger generation are expecting from their careers and the 
the uh, I guess it's the instant gratification sort of era that we're in, um, you know, in terms of uh, fulfillment, in terms of um, accomplishment. I do think, you know, expectations in um, those coming through into a role is changing what they want to do day to day. And therefore, actually, there's, you know, the impetus to actually make sure that you keep and retain those members of staff. Um, you really do need to be leveraging the technology to, to give them that fulfilling day to day job. But also, actually, if you look back to, I think, the point Jan made, which is the skill set gap is changing, but also I think what people want to do in the start of their careers, what they want to learn. You know, my, my five-year-old son yeah, knows how to use the iPad, I think, even better than I do. It's astonishing what he can achieve. I'm guessing his second language will probably be computer coding. You know, it might not even be a spoken language, and therefore, actually, you know, do those younger generations coming through actually hold the key to some of that hybrid skill set Jan was talking about earlier? And maybe actually, you know, at the moment, a lot of the training we do is teaching tax professionals technology. In the future, you could see it's possibly maybe more the other way around. And, you know, people coming through may have more technology experience and we'll be teaching them uh, tax. But yes, yeah, so I think uh, we definitely need that change in um, the tax function in terms of uh, the role that they're doing and how they're doing it, um, but for various different reasons. Thank you very much. Very interesting around the table. Scott, anything you want to add to this before I move on? I think we covered it all. I mean, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see what the next couple of years look like as people roll back to the office or not and, and how that works. I mean, tax is really kind of an apprenticeship type business. You, you, you know, you learn from your more senior people working side by side and that's kind of changed now. So it's going to be interesting to see, see what happens and, and certainly technology will help uh, enable that, but it, you know, I think we're all going to stay tuned on this one. Thank you. Before I ask you all a question, is this what we're talking about today, breaking news, that I could add the same question about, is it breaking news to hear the three of you, Jen and Scott and Jan, being excited about tax, being engaged about tax, saying, I think Jan said it's a, it's a what do you say, it's a fun, or it's an exciting field, it's a happy field to be in. If you're, we're getting the word out, shows like this may actually help. What do you think, Jen, to engage younger generations to say, oh, I heard this really cool show. It's called the Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve. And these three really smart people were talking about how cool it is to be in tax in the enterprise. I think I'll make that my career goal. What do you think, Jen? Are we, are we changing the world here today? Well, I think the one thing I can promise you is no two days are the same. Um, you know, there's there's so much uh, subjectivity um, in tax, particularly the way different countries have interpreted the law. Uh, and there's also mm. new technologies coming through. So whether you want to be a more traditional tax professional or you, whether you want to be a tax technologist, um, I can promise you that, that no two days are the same. Um, and therefore, you know, certainly from a career perspective, it will be fulfilling. Thank you very much. Scott, Jan, anything you want to add about the career of a tax person? Yeah, definitely two days are not the same. And I spend a lot of time actually recruiting on campuses. And so I think there's, there is a lot, a lot of buzz for um, students that are finance or accounting majors when, you, when you're layering the technology slant, that, that, that there's a lot of uh, a buzz on campus around that that I see when I go. Cool. Cool. Jan, go ahead. Yeah, Bonnie, and I, I don't want to go totally off track, but a little bit. Um, but um, he's going to do it anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> I got to do it anyway. 
but when I'm at the table with my kids, we often have the, the topic around sustainability and the climate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you want to influence policy, tax is a good way to do it. Um, and if you then just see how all the environmental taxes are popping up, um, all the treaties between countries, um, uh, duties, etc., they're all influenced and actually driven by tax. So what we actually do is uh, actually implementing and make it happen. So it's not uh, sort of very smart people writing the law. And what our team is actually doing is take that law and implement it in systems just to make it happen. So I think if you say is uh, is tax, are you trying to make an impact? Are you chasing the world? Well, I, I don't think we're chasing the world, but at least we're a small piece in the chain to make it happen. So I think also uh, uh, that that whole uh, environmental sustainability, make it happen, companies going through a transformation in the energy industry. So being part of that journey, I love it. And I think it also attracts some of our youngsters. I think so too. And I was thinking, I do a lot of shows on ESG and sustainability now and a lot of my business radio shows and more and more. And we blamed it on the millennials when we first knew what the millennials were, they were. And now that they're aging up, they're in their thirties, they have money, they have responsible positions, they're owning and running companies, they're leaders, they're managers. It's taken hold in all generations, I believe, where people care about the values of the company they work for. They care about the values of the company in which they invest as an investor shareholder, stakeholder at all levels, and they care about the companies they buy from. So if this is part of that sustainability, which you brought up, Jan, yes, yes. And if a company is doing ERP right and doing tax right, then that should attract people to say, I like the values of this company. We're going to leave that one alone. Jan, I have two choices here for your statements. I was going to read number four, but you said you preferred number one. So let me toss number one in the ring here and see where you want to go with it. Jan says, the role of the tax function is going through a massive change. You want to do that one, Jan? I'll do that one. And I I know we talked around the benefit you ultimately can get from an ERP modernization, which was one of the other statements. But first, you want to know what the problem is that you want to solve. Yep. Um, so that statement is indeed that the, the, the tax department is going to a massive transformation. Actually, there are, and uh, I'm on the roll, so keep track of time there. I will. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so there are the internal and external factors. And from an external one, uh, we already talked about the regulators. So they come up with new legislation rightfully, uh, but fairly rapidly. And I just give two examples. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, well, there's something around it's called real-time tax reporting. That means no longer reporting tax at the end when you submit the return. So the back Mm -hmm. office type of topic that Jen talked about. Now tax is really becoming real time when you ship something, when you invoice something, whoop, a message goes through the tax authorities. Um, That's something that companies never have been able to have to deal with previously. Um, And uh, they were able within the tax department to be able to fix it at the end. Now, since it's linked to a shipping, invoicing, it really becomes an integrated part of a business process. Mm -hmm. And that's something that the tax department is not used to. So they will have to transform to deal with it. And if I read back three years ago, I saw three, four countries trying to think about it. Uh, earlier in this week, we get these bi-weekly updates, what's changing on the legislation. <laughs> Just a whole list of countries thinking about it, actually implementing it. The second one that's uh, doing the big transformation from an, from an external factor is, and give another example, is the pillar two. Probably on the show, not many people, or definitely a lot of people, but non-tax people will not know what Pillar 2 is about. But 
Um, somewhere in end of October, but then put in law, put in the OECD rule set in December. Um, the OECD set, um, which is a group of the biggest of most countries in the world, said, "Well, there's going to be a minimum tax of 15 percent, one five." Now, in order to calculate whether you're meeting that 15 percent, there's going to be huge compliance burden to companies. It's going to put, again, pressure on companies to mine that data, be able to be compliant, be do the right calculations. Again, who's, who needs to do it? The tax department. So that whole transformation of the tax department to be able to meet the regulators is, is impacting uh, them uh, quite heavily. And then that's the external bit. The internal bit is that companies are becoming more digital, more global. Um, so that means they need to, that all leads to, they, they need to structure uh, their, their uh that flows from a tax perspective, so it's all compliant. Um, new operating models, more centralization, offshoring. So all that together, again, uh, impacts the department. And uh, last but not least, um, the CFO, C CEO, knocks on the door of the head of tax, says, well, I see all this new legislation, also I see all these new environmental taxes. Please tell me, what, how does that impact us? So that's another pressure that the tax department gets is be able to predict the future uh, based on all this data. Um, and that's where actually the whole topic ERP modernization kicks in because companies uh, or the tax depart departments will have to deal with that, with this new uh, reality that's upcoming fairly quickly. So I think Thank that's uh, Houston. We have a problem and how we have to sort it out. <laughs> we hope we don't have too much of a problem yeah, and they come down safely. Jan, you're sitting next to Jan on this round. So why don't you join in? Agree or disagree? Go for it. It would be very hard for me to disagree given, <laughs> given I can't deny the external factors that are uh, causing, the, I guess, the, uh, the change to, to need to happen. Um, you know, I think... Uh, we've heard uh, from from Jan all those different things, Bonnie, and we've also heard, I think, earlier from Scott that one of the biggest challenges for for tax is around resourcing and is around, uh, you know, their capacity uh, within the team. Um, and if the uh, ERP system is not supporting tax, then it means they're spending a lot of time, probably outside of the system, traditionally in Excel. In tax, we love Excel, um, mainly because we've had to love Excel <laughs> for the last 30 years. You know, uh, there's no choice. You know, you're always in Excel. Um, so I do think it's a really important uh, driving factor uh, for why you need to be, be leveraging the, the, the system better. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it, it's a real key driver. And I don't think tax uh, and I don't think the wider organization can, can avoid it. Um, so I think I don't know Jan if you mentioned apologies in, in your in your story but one of the key things uh, tax can cause a problem is around license to operate and actually um, in many countries um, the tax authority can actually uh, prevent your business from operating altogether um, you know so there is an ultimatum um, in many countries um, and you know you really do need to protect that, that license to operate so it's not something that can be ignored. Thank you. I want to get Scott in here. Scott, talk to us. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with all of that. And certainly uh, no CEO wants to see their name in a paper, right, about anything tax related. And so there's just a lot of external pressure. Um, and the compliance is just getting more and more and more complicated, as, as Jan mentioned. Now, I had talked about just the, the value that tax can bring really kind of, you know, opens the door for, for tax to really be a significant part of an ERP program. But 
also just the increasing compliance responsibilities. I mean, all these things have to be done to continue operation. So that's pretty compelling as well. And it's getting even more cumbersome for tax to really respond to everything that needs to be done. Thank you very much. Jan, anything you want to say to wrap this one up? I'm ready to go to another topic. I think it's good to go to another topic and maybe link it and later on to, okay, this is the problem statement, but uh, how can ERP actually help to solve it? Because obviously this is the, 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 the challenge, but obviously there's always a, a solution for it and, okay. uh, and benefits you can create. Thank you. And thanks for that great conversation, Starter. Appreciate that. Good energy around the table. Jan, I'm going back to you. You have an interesting statement number three here. You say being involved in an ERP implementation is a transformation journey requiring time, dedication, and commitment. Listen up, everyone. It cannot be a part-time job or side of the desk commitment. It requires your full focus. Oh, my goodness. Jen, talk to the people. Tell us about this, please. Yeah, so I think um, the reason is that uh, tax, as we mentioned earlier, is interwoven throughout all of the business um, in terms of what it does, what it sells, what it buys, where it operates, all the different countries. Um, And actually to make sure that tax is involved, as we mentioned earlier, it's not just a back office function. It's not just around the returns being uh, prepared and submitted, some of which is now fully automated, you know, happening in real time. But it's also about all of those different touch points into all of those different business processes. So if you think about a big uh, implementation exercise, uh, those other areas are often broken down into their own individual work streams. So you'll have order to cash procure to pay, record to report. And they will have, say, six months maybe to do their requirements gathering and their design process. And actually, uh, tax doesn't just need to focus on the processes it owns itself to do those compliance filings, but it also needs to be involved in the order to cash uh, work stream. It needs to be involved in the purchase to pay work stream. Um, And that takes time, it takes effort, Uh, You can't be in two places at once, although I'm sure many of us are now trying to in this virtual world. Uh, I can certainly say I've been trying to listen to to one call uh, before I've been on another call at the same time. Um, So, but, you know, if you're really going to be dedicated and inputting into the programme correctly, uh, it does take time and commitment. And what's interesting is if you reflect back to SOP's problem Mm -hmm. statement earlier, which is actually tax is often under-resourced or certainly doesn't have spare capacity. Mm-hmm. The thing that I think is really important to recognise quite early on is you'll need extra capacity during the ERP implementation to make sure you are involved. And that's often where you need to get savvy and you might need to ask for support and commitment to fill your day job. Uh, so we're not saying don't get involved in the, in the transformation. You absolutely need to. It's your future. Uh, but you probably need help on your day-to-day activities to make sure that you can be, uh, I guess, uh, full focus on what you need to do for the ERP. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, Jen. Scott A. Schaefer, join us. Thoughts? Go ahead. I don't think you're going to disagree with her. Let's no, hear I, I, I agree. And I think, you know, when we work with companies, you know, it's it's best that the, the companies put their best people on these transformation programs. And, these, mm-hmm. you know, they're usually the most sought after internally in the organizations as well. Um, but but you get you really need to have the 
people that are closest to the processes and the data really get involved in these programs. And I've seen in companies I work with that they might even backfill those particular key people so that the key people can actually work on the programs. That tends to be a better solution than, you know, a bunch of people trying to do it, you know, nights and weekends and, and things like that. So it's, you know, it's very important um, to have the keep the right people involved on, on these programs for sure. Thank you. Jan, thoughts? Join us, please. Yep. Yeah, I think you mentioned you need time, dedication, commitment. I think I want to add sometimes you need to have patience, but also <laughs> the can-do mentality. Um, so what's important, I believe, in these initiatives is that uh, the way that those ERPs work are totally different than they used to be. So don't stick with, with the old stuff. Um, so don't do the lift and shift. So you actually need to reimagine how you do things. That means also from a, a commitment perspective, um, you and, and the type of profiles in order to get it done is you need to have on one hand the people that are uh, forward looking. So how is the world going to look like in a couple of years? And then make sure that uh, you design a solution that's sustainable uh, for uh, for the next decade, because doing this ERP modernization is, is sometimes a once in a lifetime event. You do that not every time, but at the same time, on your team, you want to have people that are uh, keep your feet on the ground. Not sure that's proper English, but uh, mm -hmm. be realistic, yep. um, because obviously you need to be ready right away. So I think time, dedication, commitment, patience, can do mentality. Sometimes think a bit out of the box. That are some of the ingredients to make this a uh, success. Thank you very much. Success is the key word there. Jen, anything you want to add before I come up with one last statement here? Go ahead, Jen. You all good? All good. Thank you. Thank you. Good starter. Scott A. Schaefer. I just like that. A. Can you can tell us what that A stands for, or shouldn't I ask? Alan. It stands for Alan. Oh, okay. All right. Scott Allen Schaefer. There you go. Scott, I'm looking at statement number three. You say tax has the ability to fund ERP and transformation programs through the tax savings and risk mitigation. We talked a little bit about savings that can be attained through these programs. So let's talk about benefits. People want to know, why should I? What's in it for me? Well, you can save. So go ahead. And risk yeah, mitigation I mean, I, is not nothing. So go ahead on that too. Yeah, please. I mean, I, as I said, money talks, right? And if, if CFOs and COs and CEOs can figure out a way to fund these programs, I mean, for, for multinational companies, you know, these could be, these programs could be in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And so if, if through the program, if we can help companies attain additional cash tax savings, risk mitigation techniques, all that sort of thing, it really goes a long way in offsetting the program costs. And we've seen it actually fund entire programs in certain cases. Um, I mentioned before, you know, supply chain, we're seeing a lot around that. Companies are taking the opportunity to, to reorganize in terms of like what their structure looks like, how their products flow, all that sort of thing. Um, we've seen in the, the credits and incentive space you know, in the U.S. as well as other global uh, jurisdictions offer training credits and incentives. So when you're, when you're rolling out a new program, obviously people need to be trained and retooled. And so there's many jurisdictions offer credits around that, um, you know, R&D, that sort of thing. And so there's just a whole host of, of areas where uh, companies can really glean additional benefits. And, and I like to think of it in two buckets. One is 
there's benefits around the actual program spend itself. And that's where some of the credits and incentives I mentioned come in. So like if a, if a program's a hundred million dollars, you know, part of that spend can be partially offset through, through various incentives. But then there's the ongoing benefits, which is usually the bigger benefits. So, so once a program is rolled out, a company's live on a new system, what are the additional cash tax savings they're able to, to hone in on because they've got better data, they can access it in real time and all that. So there's those really kind of two main buckets, but they really go a long way in offsetting uh, project costs, especially when you, you, know, you get a year over year benefit. Thank you very much. Good, good conversation starter. Let's get the conversation started. Let's go around. Mr. DeClerc. Jan, talk to us. Uh, we have about seven minutes left to end the show, so you've got plenty of time. Jan, take your three minutes. Okay, thanks, Bonnie. Uh, obviously, I agree with uh, what, what Scott uh, what, what he introduced, and I think we mentioned earlier that a, a typical benefit case you have on this uh, business cases between 15 to 30% of the overall value. So you think if you create a value of 100 million for a company to implement an ERP, um, there is uh, 15 to 30 million, which uh, you could put on top of that, which is tax related. So it's quite significant, uh, uh, the, the value it can bring. Um, and, and, and why is that number sometimes so, so high? Uh, tax is everywhere. Uh, and there are different tax types. There are the tax types like VAT or sales use tax. So for VAT, value added tax, just think about it. It's, it's roughly around 20%, everything that a, that a company buys or sells. So if you've got a billion, a billion type of company that buys for a billion or sells for a billion, uh, there's 20% of that, which is, which is VAT. So if you even have a small percentage there that, that's leaking, uh, that's, and that you can then automate through the ERP and, and, and do differently. That's already a significant part. But same for duties. Duties is a cost. If you import something, you have to pay duties. Uh, if you don't set up properly, it's, it's just directly hits uh, your bottom line. Um, now, the, maybe something I want to mention is around, so I think we're all convinced that the, that the value that tax can bring, then often the question we get is, yeah, how, how can we get it, it into the business case itself? And there it's, oh, it's not rocket science. Um, um, I, st- I keep on sticking with, uh, with this uh, Apollo thing. But, um, <laughs> um, but the thing is that you want to leverage the mechanisms that the overall program is already doing. So there is already, the, the, the company itself already has methodologies to, to create a business case. And how it's typically done is, is just doing research on historical data. And we can do the same thing on tax. There are certain accounts within financial statements, which are tax relevant, you can mine those. You can see, hey, if we do different things, think differently, hey, we could have that, uh, that impact on those accounts. But also same on, uh, you may be uh, having a certain spend to third parties or whatever to hand manage a certain tax process. Same for us, we, for a certain, uh, one of our clients, uh, they outsource some of the tax reporting to Deloitte even, um, and we were able to automate um, uh, that process through an ERP modernization. And immediately, um, there is some saving being created uh, as well. Um, so I think overall, uh, I think we have to remember 15 to 30%. It's a big amount. And I use the methodology and the mechanism to come up with the, with the right calculation. But maybe Jen, you, you, you think so. Jen's turn to wrap up this topic. Jen, go ahead. Thanks. Um, So I think uh, Scott and and Jan have done a really brilliant job of talking you through on the different benefit outcomes that you can build. 
I think uh, in terms of making it practical as well, Jan, you, you just talk through maybe how you could quantify and, and seek to, to calculate those benefits. I think I would leave everyone pondering two things. Um, one is if you're a tax professional, um, business cases can be scary things um, in such a big ERP uh, arena because uh, we like to be 100% precise. Right, because we're dealing with tax authorities and tax authorities need you to be 100% precise. Most business cases do not need to be down to the pound and the penny or, the, or down to the dollar and the cent. Um, so you know, it, it, it can be difficult, it can feel pretty uncomfortable for, for tax to be using estimations and to be using you know, trends um, in previous data. To, to try and almost extrapolate a benefit. Um, but actually, that's where, as Jan mentioned, if you can really understand what the rest of the organization is doing, how are they calculating, uh, it can make it seem less daunting um, because you don't need to be 100% accurate for once in your lives. If, if, you're, if you've got a tax background, it feels uncomfortable. I, I, I actually go, ooh. Um, but also it's to say that actually, I think you have to also think about how you articulate in a sphere where everyone around you probably really doesn't understand tax uh, and doesn't appreciate tax. So it's trying to get the language that you will be talking about to resonate with others around you. So trying to anchor your statements back into well, what value does that bring for the business um you know does it improve things like customer experience does it uh, do risk management etc so you know that's really important i think as well is, is to think about how you put that into the right context for your non, non-tax stakeholders thank you very much we need to have a tax professional appreciation day separate from april 15th right we're talking enterprise <laughs> we're talking erp we're talking let them do their job we don't want houston there's a problem we want houston there's a solution right jan there we go that's Absolutely. that that's what we want prioritize 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 i want to thank the three of you so much it's been a pleasure speaking with you getting to know you i've learned a lot and i'm not anywhere in the world that where you operate so thank you to genevieve Watson. Thank you to Scott A. Schaefer, Alan. Thank you to Jan de Klerk, all at Deloitte. And I want to do a shout out to our showrunner, Hasmin Bolanos. And she is always here working with me on this. Brandy Boyce Marketing, new to the team marketing at Deloitte. Natalie Butlin, been on the working on the show with me for a long time, Maria Rechtenwald. And we have a guest here in the background today. She's probably going to tell me I pronounced her name wrong, but it's Naomi Highlands, I think. And she's joined us behind the scenes and she's in the tax field as well. Thank you. And a shout out to our engineer, Aaron Keller, my engineer extraordinaire, who is now the client success coordinator at Voice America. New promotion. And I want to thank Hasmin for renewing this show and all of your colleagues at Deloitte. This is season three of the Kinetic Enterprise. And I appreciate the opportunity to meet and speak with such interesting professionals you always bring us has been an interesting topic so everybody wave goodbye don't go away we're going to take some pictures bonnie d grime signing off this was the first episode of the kinetic enterprise for 2022 there's going to be a new one every two weeks so stay tuned bye bye Thank you for listening to The Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.